0: Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry podcast where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God here's today's message our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 21 this is that familiar passage where the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 21 when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygyra, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun at them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the word... Of God today this morning we look at that Pentecost gift of fire you know have you ever received a gift that you were not sure you knew what to do with I kind of suspect we all have some ridiculous looking tie maybe that you would not be caught dead in some really rough smelling rank smelling perfume or cologne that you would definitely not wear for fear of dropping everyone in the room faint there are some gifts that we just do not know how to handle but let's talk about fire for a moment fire is fascinating a lot of little children say they want to grow up to be firefighters if you hear that there's a fire in the neighborhood chances are you to go out and watch the activity maybe on a winter's evening uh, or summer's evening maybe you build a fire not just for warmth but for a chance to uh, watch it do its work just to relax especially in the summer in the woods we go out and get some wood and start a campfire we're not trying to stay warm necessarily but just for the sheer pleasure of being around it now combine those two things together gifts and fire I wonder what would happen if someone gave you a gift of fire i'm sure you'd be fascinated by it but what would it mean and perhaps the early christians wondered that too after all that was the lord's first gift to the church on that monumentous and earth-shaking pentecost fire You remember the faithful had had gathered there in that room near the temple in jerusalem 120 of them they had been there for the better part of 10 days spending their time in prayer choosing another apostle to replace judas who had recently committed suicide talking among themselves of their ministry of the lord jesus who had been taken up from them into heaven just a week and a half before and just prior to his ascension jesus had told them to go into jerusalem and not to leave the city until they had received the gift of which he had spoken to them earlier, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they did. They were gathered there to wait, not quite sure what this gift was all about. Yes, they had heard something about this Holy Spirit. During their meal with Jesus on the night before his crucifixion, the Lord had told them that it was necessary for him to leave them, so that he might send them another comforter, Another one who would walk beside them, one who would encourage them, one who would exhort them. For all of those ideas were wrapped up in the name the Lord used to describe the Spirit. They were not sure what Jesus was talking about, but they did not let on. A bit later, the Lord had told them that his Comforter, the Holy Spirit, would be a guide to them. The Spirit would guide them in all truth. Again, they were not certain what to make of it. But they kept quiet, and then just before Jesus was taken up into heaven, he told them that they would receive power, a supernatural power, the Holy Spirit that would drive them to the ends of the earth with the message of the gospel. Again, they did not understand. Suddenly, the group there heard a noise. It sounded like a windstorm, like a hurricane or tornado, the sound of some tremendous force. But nothing was moved. No buildings destroyed, no doors slammed shut, not even a leaf rustled. As they looked around to see what was happening, they noticed that above each head was what appeared to be a flame, fire that simply sat there, the fire that would be Christ's first gift to his church, the fire that was the Holy Spirit, a gift of fire. I wonder if the disciples had any more idea what to do with a gift like that than we would do. I doubt it. But to their eternal credit and to our undying benefit, they did not think of possessing the gift. They let the gift possess them. The fire was exactly as advertised. It proved to be a comforter an encourager an exhorter and challenger. Look what happened to Peter. To say the least, this big fisherman had always been a pretty rough, straightforward fellow. He was brash enough to leave his fishing business, to drop his livelihood, when Jesus had said to him and his brother, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of of people. He had been brash enough to try things that were beyond human comprehension, like healing sick people, walking on water. He had been brash enough to take a sword to the servant of the high priest in Gethsemane, despite being tremendously outnumbered. But brashness has its limitations. Peter was also cowardly. Just cowardly enough to deny that he had ever known Jesus when confronted by a little servant girl. Yes, that fisherman was rough and tough and brash, but not brash enough in himself to do what he did on Pentecost. You remember, here was just seven weeks after Peter had turned tail and run, just seven weeks after Jesus' enemies had murdered him, just seven weeks after Peter and the others locked themselves in that upper room after the crucifixion for fear that they too would be arrested and killed. And now, all of a sudden, here was this same Peter standing up in the center of the city where the life of his Lord had been taken, proclaiming to all who would listen the message of a risen Savior. Peter was a changed man. The Holy Spirit had come upon him to give him comfort in place of his fear, to give him encouragement in place of his questions, to give him a challenge in place of his silence. Peter had the fire, or perhaps it could be said that the fire had him. It has worked the same throughout the century since Pentecost. There was a young man from North Africa, a brilliant thinker, a man anxious for a relationship with God, a man concerned about his own sin, a man afraid to make any commitment to Jesus Christ because his lifestyle was incompatible with any real Christian witness. He, too, was taken by that fire and was turned into one of the greatest theologians in history. His name was Augustine. There was a young man, a priest in an Augustinian monastery in the 16th century, He had become concerned about the direction his church was taking. He was concerned that the church had its priorities skewed. The fire took him, comforted him in the face of the hostility of his superiors, encouraged him to share what he felt with his people, challenged him to press on with the task of stopping the abuses. The fire took him and led him to begin a reformation that has continued to this day. That was Martin Luther. Two hundred years later, another young man was taken by the fire. He saw problems in his own church, the Church of England, and as might be expected, he faced fierce opposition. Although he was a priest in the church, he was denied the right to preach. So he took to the open air. He was comforted in the face of angry church officials. He was encouraged as he saw thousands respond to his preaching. He was challenged to fan the flames of revival in his land. And the result was what history has called the Great Awakening. All because that young man went to a little prayer meeting on Aldersgate Street in London. And as he wrote later, felt his heart strangely warmed. Warmed by that fire of Pentecost. You know this guy, John Wesley. But there was more to the fire that rested on those disciples there in that room in Jerusalem. Jesus had promised them that the Holy Spirit would be a guide to them. After all, fire has always served that purpose. Until just the past century, the fire in lamps and torches was the only way one could be guided through the darkness. The lights we have in our own day are really nothing more than artificial fire. Fire to light our way. Fire to guide. Peter was guided by the Spirit as he preached that morning after all he was a fisherman not an orator truth be known peter had no business being up there in front of any folks much less all those but he was and boy did he come through three thousand converts he had help the guidance that came from the fire there's one more thing that must be noted about this gift of the spirit that jesus gave Yes, it comforts. Yes, it encourages. Yes, it challenges. Yes, it guides. But over all of that, the fire is power. That is why fire fascinates us so. It can do more in minutes than a great host could do in a lifetime. We recall the fire bombings of World War II and are amazed that they're all consuming energy. We speak of a firestorm of protest and refer to something that is mighty in its force. We call one of the darkest chapters of human history, the Holocaust, a word taken directly from the Greek word, which means to burn completely. Fire fascinates because fire has such power. Peter knew that power. He was no speaker. Just weeks before he had denied the Lord, he was proclaiming. He faced a hostile and possible murderous audience. Still, Peter stood up to preach. And that preaching had such power, the power of the fire, that the church grew from 120 to 3,000 people in just one day. Now that is power. He probably did not understand it. I doubt that any of them did. The folks who heard him did not, especially when they heard the message of the disciples in the languages of their own homelands. That kind of power is beyond human comprehension. But understand it or not, the power that fire was there that day and the fire has continued to empower the church through almost 2000 years now it is here today it is still the Lord's birthday gift to the church unfortunately we treat it as if we would one of the horrible ties or smelly perfumes We do not know what to do with it. And quite honestly, we seem to live as if we would just as soon not have it. I suspect many of us are afraid of it. It is almost as if someone had given us a caged beast. We'd be terrified at what would happen if somehow that cage would be opened. We read the account of what happened to those early disciples at Pentecost. We see what a tremendous effect the coming of the Spirit had on them. What an unbelievable difference was made in their lives. And somehow we know that if the Spirit came to us in that way, if the fire would take hold of us like it did them, things would never be the same. We are afraid of that. On the other side of the coin, there is still that natural fascination we have with fire, with power. We think, wow, what great things could happen in us and through us if we would open ourselves up to the Spirit like Peter and the rest did. What a witness we would have. What a church we would have. And it is true. We would be given such power that things would never be the same again. Do we want that kind of power here? Or are we too afraid of it? If we want it, we can have it. We can have it by preparing for it in the same way the early disciples did. First, they had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They had learned to trust Him, to count on Him, to worship Him. They had learned to follow Him and be obedient to His commandments. Second, they lived in an air of expectancy. Jesus had told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. Without a doubt, one of the most difficult commands he had ever called them to obey. But they did. They obeyed. They waited with a sense of real anticipation. And finally, they prayed not just for a moment or two. They prayed for ten solid days. Oh, Lord, give us that fire. And then it happened. The Lord's first birthday gift to the church, the all-powerful Spirit of the living God, we can have it too. The Holy Spirit is a gift who brings comfort, encouragement, challenge, guidance, and most of all, power. Will we treat the Spirit as a gift we would just as soon do without? Will we simply be fascinated by the Spirit as we watch others set on fire? Or will we pray, Lord, Give us that fire. Let us pray. Lord, give us that fire. Fill us with your Spirit so that we too may be comforted, encouraged, challenged, and guided. But most of all, give us the power to fulfill your will for our lives. Use us this week to proclaim your word with our words and actions. Amen.